Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here, so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Episode 37 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Lori LaMontilla, and Lori is originally from California and now lives in New Mexico. She is a health and wellness coach as well as a soul coach who helps people connect with their inner selves for guidance, which I absolutely love. So welcome, Lori. Thank you so much, Jen. I am so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I am glad. So I'd like to start off by asking you to share, you know, what brought you to intermittent fasting? When was that? Tell us a little bit about the beginnings of your journey. Absolutely. So my beginnings for intermittent fasting kind of has a long backstory, but I think it's all really important. I 
started my weight issues. I started gaining weight really about 25 years ago after I had my third child. I had found out that I had nodules in my thyroid. I didn't even know what a thyroid was at that time. Oh, I have one of those, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Of course, now I'm learning how much more common they are. But And actually, it's not a funny story, haha. But after I had my third child, went for my postpartum appointment, and she's feeling my neck. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she said she was feeling for my thyroid. I'm like, I've had two other children. Nobody's ever touched my neck. You know, like almost like it was like an intimacy issue or something. So anyway, so she she feels and she feels and she puts her hand on my leg and she says, I think you might have cancer. And I was like, <gasps> I mean, like what horrible bedside manner. Like here I am leaving my postpartum, you know, I'm eight weeks, six weeks, whatever it was, postpartum appointment, crying, going down the hall trying to get home to my my then husband with my three little kids, you know. So anyway, so, you know, it just ended up growing more and more nodules. I think like in the next two, three months, there was like 11 nodules in one side of my thyroid. So we opted to have it taken out. So was it cancer? It was not. They did biopsy it. It was not cancer. Um, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and they took half of it out. And then the other half just shriveled up and died. So I basically had a non-reactive thyroid and got on the wonderful Synthroid. So you have no thyroid at all now? Well, that's fast forwarding to many years later. Okay. All right. I'll, I will pause my Sorry. No, no, but I love it. I love it. Because <laughs> actually half of it is working now, which is ironic. Oh, but it okay. was dormant for like 20 years. Yeah. So like many, many people, you know, that's when not only did I start gaining weight, but that's when I started feeling super, super tired and little bits of depression and no amount of anything that I did seemed to really help. And the doctors, like most, or, you know, many doctors said, oh, no, you know, you're at the perfect levels. Everything's fine. So, right. They were going on on your lab tests, right? right? And and of course, at that time, just TSH, your TSH is fine, you know, and of course, the range for what is fine is huge. And I just, you know, I knew I had three little kids. And at that time, we were living in Japan, of all places. And when I was married, my husband was in the Air Force. So we were in Japan, no family around. And so it was a really tough time. So of course, I was going to be tired anyway. But you know, over the course of the next 20 years, I would lived on a diet pretty much. I don't think I tried as many as you, but I feel like I tried every diet under the sun. What were your favorites? Or I'm not favorites, I, you know, because now we look back and they're like, oh my gosh, yuck. But what were the ones that you, you just kept returning to? Gosh, you know, I think I was a one and done kind of gal. I think I tried something because for me, the interesting thing or not so interesting is that most diets worked for me. Like for me, when I put my mind to something, I just do it and I lose the weight. I'm at the, you know, the weight I want to be, but I still don't feel good. And I can't maintain it because that diet was just too strict and I wasn't going to do that long term. It's funny because the one that's coming to mind for me that I kind of liked, which is really kind of scaring me that I could say I liked it, was the darn HCG drops. Oh, I know. I think it gave me some energy. And I kind of looking back, I think it was maybe sort of kind of an intermittent fasting type of thing because I was only eating the 500 calories a day. You're in ketosis, you know, so... Like I used to think, I remember I did, you know, diet pills that I got from the doctor and I'm not proud of that period of time and would go back and tell myself not to do it. But, you know, you got them from the doctor, so they must be okay, right? In my defense, I didn't know. But, and you know, in the doctor's defense, they don't know either. They're just trying to help you in the way that they can. But 
I remember not being able to sleep. And that is the same feeling now I get with ketosis because I think I was barely eating at the time. You know, the same with the HCG. I did the shots, you know, where the doctor is giving you actually the HCG shots. I took home all the, you know, the syringes and the, the liquid. And I was actually injecting myself with the HCG hormone. Yeah, that was that was rough. Those days of 500 calories over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah, you know, and and like you said, that was not a period of time that I was really proud of myself. I wouldn't tell people, hey, I'm just, I did the drops. You know, I had a friend who got them on the black market, not really, you know, she ordered them online. She found, you know, the best site for us, you know, put them under your tongue and hold it for however long. And, you know, the thing that makes me so sad is that I have a daughter and she grew up with me always on a diet, like literally always on a diet and just trying different things and low fat this and... Uh, so yeah, looking back, it was just crazy. But I guess that's why I liked HCG is probably for the first time I had some energy and I wasn't tired because that's always been my thing. Always just tired, no matter what exercise I did, no matter how much sleep I got, I was always really tired. And you know, it is kind of almost intermittent fasting because, you know, I don't know the plan that you follow, but I followed the original as written by Dr. Simeons back in the 50s, the magical plan that had been hidden from us and you could only get it through the secret source. I mean, it sounds crazy, but you skipped breakfast and just had black coffee. I wonder if I did that. I must have. I must have. Yeah. I read the whole thing and his whole, you know, his whole original work, but you were to skip breakfast and have only black coffee, I think, or maybe tea also. But, and then you had your little tiny lunch and your little tiny dinner And I actually eventually realized I felt better if I just left it all to the end of the day. That really so much is the way we do it now with our intermittent fasting, right? You know, right? Yeah, because you and I are alike in that way. Yeah, it was it was intermittent fasting, kinda. But the problem was the severe calorie restriction. And the good news is my body would fight back, and I would like I had to stop because it didn't feel good. I started having the urge to binge. Did you ever feel that way as you got towards the end of a round of HCG? I have always been a binger. I mean, even I kind of laugh at it now because the last diet I went on was a medically supervised diet in 2012. And it was literally 12 weeks long, every day for 12 weeks, just a shake, a soup, and a bar. That was absolutely it for the whole day. And I think it was 900 calories, if I remember correctly. But the funny part to me is that after that, part every week you went to this group meeting at the hospital and I worked there too which was it was just all kind of ironic and then you had a meeting and they talked about food and preparation and getting you ready to wean off of these products well every week you did a weigh-in after the initial 12 weeks and after the weigh-in I would go and I would binge eat yeah well you know that's your body fighting back and your body knows you're restricting and it also thinks you probably are in a famine and, you know, it wants you to eat and eat and eat, and it ramps up those hunger hormones to try to keep you from dying. Yeah. And, you know, and so at that time, I had lost 72 pounds. Actually, I was more like 52 because the rest I did kind of on my own. But, you know, I was down at a weight that I never imagined I would be as an adult, but I still didn't feel good. And as you said, it was still my body that wanted something more, wanted something different. And I just wasn't as in tune with my body at the time. And I just cared about being skinny. The key there is what you said, you didn't feel good. And I know, I know that you said you're helping people connect with their inner guidance, their inner selves, but not feeling good is a huge red flag that something is wrong with what you're doing. 
you know, when I was white knuckling it through those 500 calorie diets that I was getting from a doctor also, I went into the office and I mean, it was all through doctors, but I felt bad. I was white knuckling it. It was hard. It didn't feel good. I just wanted to be thin. Yes. And I think at that time, and I think many people even now, when we don't feel good, I believe my thought process at the time was if I got skinny, I would feel good. As long as I felt okay in my body, I would feel good. And and at that time I was started doing boot camp classes, you know, the really heavy duty exercise, I think three or four times a week. And as soon as I got home from that class, I would sleep for a few hours. I was just so burnt out and tired. You know, so it's interesting when I look back on it that I'm like, why didn't you clue in then? But around that time, you know, and it really is kind of funny to backtrack that in that class, the instructor would be yelling, Lori, lift more, lift more. And I would just go down into a yoga pose and, you know, downward dog, or I would do child pose and just, just relax. And she's yelling at me. And I'm like, I'm like, shush, this is what my body needs right can't, now. I can't, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we're, we're told if you can't lose the weight, eat less, move more. So you're like, all right, well, I guess I'll eat less. And you were doing what, 800 calories, 900 calories a day on that medically supervised diet. Well, you must eat less and oh, let's move more. You know, let's do two hours of boot camp. That, that'll really burn something off, right? And you feel worse and worse and worse. You know, and at that time, I got so connected to the process of losing weight. And what I later learned was I got attached to the process of behavior change, lifestyle change. So I started teaching the medical weight loss program. And I did that for quite a while until I just started really researching on my own what foods did to our bodies, what sugars did to our bodies. You were working for the program that had the the shake bar soup. When I started the program, I was working for that hospital. My job at the time was an executive assistant for a chief of staff there. So I got into that program, did the program, and also as a part-time gig, taught those classes. But there just got to be a time, and I remember it was almost like I was driving down the freeway and I pulled over and stopped and I thought, wait a minute, what am I teaching these people? What is this? It just clicked to me that it didn't feel healthy. It didn't feel sustainable. It didn't feel like the way that was in alignment for me anymore. You were successful. I mean, you did it. I was successful and I was still maintaining. I was. And they had wrote an article in the our hospital paper or something about prior to me starting this that what a failure that I felt like before the program because I felt like Every morning I woke up with this grand plan and this motivation and willpower and excitement to start a diet, but that every night I went to bed feeling like a failure because every day I had a plan that, you know, my thing at the time was fast food. You know, I had a long commute. I would on the way home when I, you know, go home to three kids and I was a single mom at that time. I was then divorced. But I would many times go through McDonald's, pick that up, eat it. I would stop somewhere before I got home and throw it away so my kids didn't see. And and it's funny to think that I was hiding it for my kids. Like, what are my kids going to say? But those are the people I was hiding it. And and maybe even hiding it for myself. If I didn't see it, it didn't happen. Yeah. If we ate it in the car and nobody saw it and we threw the stuff away, then it didn't really happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, if you've ever counted calories or something, put it in my fitness pal or something, or, you know, whatever app you use, you know, if you didn't put it in the app, it didn't happen, (laughs) you know? So yeah. So, you know, I went through a, a vicious cycle. It was the fast food and it was the convenience and it was the, 
I was always, always a comfort eater. And I love burgers. Anybody who knows me to this day, my favorite shirt today is it's, um, I'm into fitness, fitness burger in my mouth. I'm, I am a burger. Well, I'm also a burger aficionado. And I was having this conversation with my 19 year old, actually, one day this week at dinner, we were talking about food. I don't know how it came up exactly or what we were saying, but I was like, you know, a burger can be a very healthy meal. Or it can be absolute nutritional garbage, <laughs> depending on, you know, what you, you make it out of. And so, and he just looks at me like, what? <laughs> He's not, not there yet. But, you know, you could have it on high quality bread with grass fed meat, organic vegetables. And I mean, it is just a great food. Well, unlike you, I'm the French fry girl though, too. I love, I love French fries. And, and not that it's bad, but it's how it makes us feel, right? The ones that bother me are the ones that are, are fried in, I think it's if they have old oil or, or low quality, cheap oil, they make my stomach hurt. If I make them at home, are there some that actually don't bother me? It's hard to know. I think it has to do with the quality of the oil. But if I eat a lot of fries from low quality oil, my stomach will hurt. You know, and, and that is so interesting, Jen, because that's, you know, we might get into that a little bit more towards the end. But, you know, with me now being more in tune with my body, and what feels right, wrong, not wrong. And I don't even want to say right or wrong. I do quotations because it's just for our own body, not that it's good, bad, right, wrong. But, you know, you and I, we were on the DDD cruise in March and I was really nervous about the foods there and if they were going to upset my body because at that time I was still trying to um, overcome some digestive issues. But I ate. And I ate and I ate on that cruise and I felt okay. I, and nothing ever bothered me. But the thing that was so interesting is the day that we got back into port, one of my new friends from the cruise and I went to dinner, I think it was, and got my burger. It was at a restaurant that I absolutely love that isn't in New Mexico, but I would eat all the time in California. Well, we didn't even make it back to our hotel. I was so sick from that burger and fries. So it was just so interesting. I was like, wait a minute, maybe that's been my problem all this time is eating at that restaurant once a month. Oh, maybe. And it really, I think it, it could be just old oil. Like I said, I've had really bad stomach aches on a cruise before from eating the fries at the guy's burgers on a different cruise ship, but not the one we were just on. But there's a local restaurant called Farmhouse Burger and they have the grass fed meat and the really high quality everything. Those fries never make my stomach hurt. It's just interesting. Yeah. <laughs> We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10. 
If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Well, and it was great because, you know, and this is a great segue because about five years ago, when I stopped teaching for that weight loss management program, I started really, really, really getting into deep research myself about how to eat for my thyroid. I was really tired of doctors telling me I was fine and me not feeling fine and me not feeling optimal. So during that time, I switched to a paleo diet And I took out all foods that are thought to be inflammatory and I was feeling better. And I went and saw a functional doctor who did some tests that regular dog. And and that's actually at the time and the person who found that my thyroid was functioning. He's like, you have thyroid hormone in your body. It's working. And I was like, what? So that was really interesting. And I'm not sure exactly when and how it regenerated itself. The body's amazing. It is. And it just, it was time and it was dormant for however long. But at that time, it was funny that he said, your vitamin D is low and your iron is low. He said, so eat more burgers in the sun. And I was like, okay, that I can do. And not really intermittent fasting related, but at that time, life was pushing me. I kept saying I wanted more freedom. You know, I was a single mom, three teenagers, three kids, and I was living in a little town, San Francisco Bay Area. That was just very much of a two-income household and, you know, a mom and a dad. And I kept saying I wanted more freedom, more freedom. Well, when my youngest graduated high school, and I think when she turned 19, things in my life just kept, quote unquote, falling apart to really give me more freedom and more freedom than I ever would have been brave enough to really just go seek for myself. But at that time, so this is now five years ago, I got rid of all my belongings. I only kept what fit in my car and I started traveling. And I feel like I want to go back to this functional doctor and be like, look, I took you literally because I went on a seven month cross country trip and I was literally in every town looking for the best burger. And I would get a burger and sit outside and just, oh, this feels good, you know. So yeah, you know, so that's kind of like when minimalism started and I, you know, I had been eating paleo and then I started traveling and looking for my burgers and gaining a little bit of weight back and gaining a little bit of weight back and not really being able to find my way back to paleo. So to kind of get, you know, up to speed a little bit more with a little bit more backstory, I was traveling. I didn't have a home base, but was traveling, building my coaching business back up kind of based on a paleo how do you feel kind of a methodology and with those sort of principles. But then my younger son, who was still in California, 
in 2016, so what, three years ago now, 679, was in a near-fatal motorcycle accident. Yikes. Yes. So when I got that call, I was in Dallas. His father and I were both in Dallas at the time. And the call was literally, your son is on life support. He might not live. Get here as soon as you can. And it was just, you know, like any mother would, any parent would. We dropped everything. We flew there. And so everything I was doing flew out the window. There was you know, all the self-care I knew about, all the eating. It was literally just to help him survive. So I went back to California for nine months to help him. You know, he came home in a wheelchair and helping him get out of the wheelchair and walk again and all of these things. And, you know, he had 12 surgeries and getting him all through that. That's really when, besides the thyroid issues I had, I really developed some real gut issues, some digestive issues I developed a rash that I would get every time I would sweat. Wow. You know, stress is hard on our bodies. I can't imagine a more stressful time than what you were going through. And it just causes, you know, it's just to kind of go haywire in response to this stress. Now, is he fully recovered from that now? I know that everybody is going to want to want to yeah, know. Yeah, you know what? And it's so funny. It's a, my, my voice starts shaking. He really is. He is um, he's thriving. He's wonderful. He lost all of his sight in his left eye. He had a piece of glass stuck in his eye. He lost his iris. and So he has no vision in his left eye, and he has a scar across his right eye. So he doesn't have wonderful vision. However, he just he has a wonderful job that he's you know really thriving at, making great money. He just got back from Mexico for his birthday and wonderful girlfriend. So yes, thank you, thank you. He is better than I ever imagined he would be able to be. I'm yeah, so, so thank you. That, yeah, so, and yeah, my baby. And... Let me just say, he's intermittent fasting. So yeah, I'm like, yeah, so, you know, after, you know, of course, when I dropped everything, I also dropped my thriving coaching business. And once I started developing all of these digestive issues and the rash, I think it was, you know, it was PTSD, it was just all this, you know, we lived together for nine months. And once he's like, all right, mom, I got this, you know, I moved really, really close to him. And I stayed as close as I could. And I felt like he was just this newborn baby I had to still care for, you know. So I was really trying to get back to the caring for myself and what that looked like and what it felt like. And I really had a hard time at that time coaching again because I felt like such a mess. I mean, this is the first time ever that it seemed like at the time anything I ate gave me digestive issues. I was just so frustrated. So Last year, last January, my older son, who lives here in New Mexico, the reason I moved here to be close to my grandkids, he started intermittent fasting and told me about it. And this son of mine, I think, is just brilliant. He's a drone instructor, and I I find him just to be smart about most things. And he's a researcher. And I thought, okay, well, if he's doing intermittent fasting and if he's researched it, then I should jump on this because it's, I was really, really ready. To start feeling good. I was done. I was so over feeling tired. And yeah. And was that 2017? That was 2018. Sorry. 2018. So, last year. Okay. So, so I think he started like in January because I didn't start until May of 2018. So all that time I'm listening to him and I'm hearing and, you know, like a lot of people do with me probably. And by May, I think he had lost 40 pounds. And I'm like, and this child, this man, of course, but this, my, my kid is like six, five, he was always, to me, very lean. He didn't even look like he had 40 pounds to lose. But when I would see a picture of him, he just looked so healthy. So finally, I was like, all right, 
And I'm pretty sure what took me so long was the black coffee. And I actually did three, if not four rounds of Whole30. You know, if anybody's familiar with Whole30. And I convinced myself through every single time that stevia would still be okay for me. And so I never. I know. I tried so hard to. So literally. (laughs) Quote, works for me. Quote. Yeah, I got this. And then then it it was funny because I thought about becoming a Whole30 coach and reading, you know, what you had to do to become one. It says you had to have 100% followed the rules. And I was like, I can't in my right mind say that I've ever done that, (laughs) you know. I'm kind of the rebel. Yeah. So, you know, so finally, you know, I'm not sure exactly what clicked or how or why, but May 21st, 2018, I'll never look back. I was like, all right, I'm doing this. So, you know, I woke up that day, had my black coffee and I just decided that my non-negotiable was to fast less than 16 hours any given day. That you were going to make 16 hours as a goal and that was it. Yes. That was it. Like, I don't care if my stomach started eating itself. I wasn't going to eat. Listeners, if your stomach is eating itself, get to a hospital. Because you have something very wrong with you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. People are like, wow, is that what you you teach your clients? (laughs) Yeah, no. No, I get it. That's funny. But, you know, and, and I found that, you know, it was just, it was so liberating because I could pretty easily not eat. My difficulty had always been when I would give myself these strict guidelines of, okay, no burgers and only clean and no this and no that. Well, gosh, I had to go 16 hours and not eat and then have whatever I wanted. Well, when I decided to start fasting, I was also going to eat clean. I was like, okay, I'm going to you know go back to paleo. and Well, one more tragedy in my life. Um, literally two days after I started, so on May 23rd, my father, a year and a half before this time, was diagnosed with melanoma, fought it, beat it. He was fine. But in March of 2018, we found out that his melanoma spread to his brain. And he seemed fine. He seemed okay. It seemed under control. And he took a trip to Japan. Him and his wife traveled a whole lot. She was a travel nurse. And in between each contract, they would travel and they were going to Japan for six weeks, I think it was. Well, while he was over there, he had a seizure. His health really deteriorated. So they came back early. I picked them up from the hospital. So that was just two days after I started. So on May 23rd, and I know it's like all oh, this tragedy. I don't, I don't want that to be what this is about. But that morning on May 23rd, when my dad got on the plane, his brother who lived in Florida, who was his closest person in life, passed away. And I was getting ready to pick up my dad from the airport thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to tell him that his brother died? It was such a horrible day. But when I picked up my father, I realized in an instant that he was no longer my father. His The seizure really took over his brain and the tumors took over his brain. He didn't recognize me. And But in this is a wonderful story because that night, you know, my biggest non-skilled victory, I would say, was driving them home from the airport. My stepmother wanted in and out She wanted a burger. You know, we're in California at the time and, you know, she knows I love burgers and we were trying to connect my dad to, hey, this is Lori, you know, she loves burgers, you know. My window was closed two days after I started intermittent fasting and I didn't get a burger while driving them home from the airport. That would have been the time, you know, the stress of that. I'd have been like, you know, so many people would have just, I'm having the burger. This is the time for the burger. So I know that felt powerful. It really did. And, you know, and for the next four weeks, my father was in and out of hospitals. And, you know, I switched my thinking to 
okay, I'm just going to fast. I'm not thinking about anything else, just 16 hours of fasting, and I'm going to allow myself to eat whatever I need right now. And I was eating, you know, the hospital food, and it was a lot of comfort food. And he was in a hospital not near my home. So we were staying in a hotel with my sisters, and we would get, you know, food delivered in the evening. And when I closed my window, I think it was just, it was the one thing that I felt like I could control in this world right now when it felt like my world was falling apart. And I I love the wording that you used. You said, I am going to eat what I need right now. No judgment. Absolutely. You know, and it was interesting because at the time, my kids always tease me because I order unsweet tea and I put my stevia in it. And they're like, well, why don't you just buy it sweetened? I'm like, well, it's too sweet and I don't like the sweetener, you know. But it was just really interesting for me that at that time I was putting a little bit of lemonade in my iced tea. And it was like, oh, because I'd never done that before. But my body must have been craving some sort of sweetness or something that it wasn't getting. And that was really the biggest thing for me was letting go of any guilt that I wasn't eating the way I had originally planned. You know, I was having lots of grilled ham and cheeses with French fries. That was my thing in the hospital cafeteria there. And I was okay with that. And I would try to make better choices, but I just didn't care. I was eating for survival again. And you were fasting clean for 16 hours a day at at minimum and just letting that healing happen during the fast. And that was it. That was it. And my body responded well to it, even though I was in the midst of a lot of stress. You know, and it was just cute. Because I remember my sister saying that, you want to go down and get some donuts? I'm like, and she's like, oh, sorry, you're fasting. Yeah, I'm fasting, you know. And at night they'd get, you know, wine or something after I closed my window. Sorry, I'm fasting. You know, for those four or five weeks, it was just, it was empowerment for me. And it was a matter of, I made a commitment to myself and I did not want to give up on myself yet again. Because diets, I always felt like I gypped myself, you know, we always want to do what we say we're going to do with friends, with family, with we make a promise. And I think so often we allow the commitments we make to ourselves to fall to the waistline. And I think when we lose that trust in ourselves, it's just, that's when we have this spiral of just not feeling good about ourselves and the depression. And, you know, I just stuck to that 16 hours and, and I found that pretty easy. I don't remember ever really having any like, oh my God, I just absolutely have to eat. I was, you know, I was using a timer. I was watching the clock and my father did pass away six, seven weeks later. But, you know, through the whole thing, the one and only thing in my life that was consistent was fasting. A couple weeks after he passed, I was in California, packed up my bags and moved to New Mexico and started a life here. And Things were just kind of different and chaotic and going through the loss of, because I had lost my mom many, many years ago, and just going on in this world without parents. It was just a weird thing. Coming to New Mexico where my son and my granddaughter, my second granddaughter was born in August. So I say all that to say that to me, if I can just not eat for 16 hours, gosh, it was just like, I want to give that magic pill to everybody, everybody. So here we are a year and a month or two after, and in that entire time, there's only been two days that I haven't fasted at least 16 hours. And one was on the cruise. You know, we all- I had a feeling I was going to (laughs) ask. You know, we decided to have brunch that one morning. It was that brunch day. I wondered, yeah. It was the brunch day. And I was okay with it. You know, going into the cruise, getting ready for the cruise- I was really, really nervous. I was nervous that I would get kind of lazy with my window and then I would come home and stay lazy. But that didn't happen. It's been beautiful that 
you know, through the holidays and all my kids being here and the meals that we have, to me, there's just no day that I have to eat longer than eight hours in a day. It's just... Eight hours is a long time. Once you adapt to intermittent fasting, I mean, eight hours is like a very long window for me now. I usually, you know, my windows is usually a lot shorter than that just because that's, you know, I wait till the end of the day to eat. But if I have an eight hour window, it feels like really long. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, the, the second time that I didn't fast for 16 hours, and it, it was really kind of funny because a cousin of mine in New York, who I love dearly, you know, I talked to her a lot about intermittent. I talked to everybody about intermittent fasting. Yeah, I, me too. Yeah, I'm an open book. And, and it's really kind of funny because 99% of the time your book is in my purse. So if I talk about it, I can be like, by the way, and here, take a picture of this, go home, you know, but a cousin of mine in New York, who I just love dearly, she started fasting in January. And, you know, and I would talk to her, you know, a couple of days a week, at least and helping her and how are you doing and blah, blah, blah. Well, her son had recently moved to Arizona, and she was coming to Arizona. So I drove there to see her and I hadn't seen her in five years or something. And so I drove there to see her and her son and I picked her up from the airport at midnight. And I had just mentioned to him on the way to the airport, because I saw in and out Burger. And I just said, okay, while I'm here, we have to have In-N-Out because we don't have them by me. And he's like, well, when I when we pick up my mom, we can go get it. And I'm like, but I'm sure her window's closed and my window's closed. Well, here I pick her up and, and I ask her, I'm like, hey, Donna, do you want to get in and out? And she's like, what, you know, her big New York accent, what are you talking about? My window's closed. And I'm like, I'm like, do you want to reopen it? <laughs> And she's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, she's like, oh my God. And I'm like, I'm just asking. I'm like, look, you've got a good handle on this. These are the decisions we get to make in a lifestyle. I'm not going to pressure you. But if you want to, we can open it. And then we'll close it and just eat later tomorrow. And she's like, all right. So here we are at midnight. And she keeps looking at me like, oh my God, you're such a bad influence, you know. <laughs> but sometimes you open your window because that's not something you can get all the time. Absolutely. You know, so we had a great time, but it, it was just funny. You know, so we closed our window again. We had every intention of going the 16 hours and we're out in Phoenix and doing something. And we found a fabulous restaurant and that was the day. So we, we had a shorter window that day and we ate lunch and then her and I both went back to his house and we were like, oh my God, I feel so sick. And we laid there. We literally were taking selfies to send her her husband because we were just like, oh my God, we cannot eat another freaking meal. You know, it's interesting now because like you, I've adapted. My life has kind of just organically moved into a one meal a day, OMAD kind of lifestyle. I love, I don't usually eat until I get done working. Whatever time that is, I don't want to pack food. I don't want to do stuff. So on the days that I eat, even two meals, sometimes two meals, you know, if I'm eating longer, it's just like, ugh, I just, my body is so weighed down. And like so many other people say, it's just, it's so common. It's just striking for people who have not lived it. You know, if I went back in time and talked to myself when I was eating frequently, I don't think I would have believed it, but, but it really does feel so much better. But, you know, cause even as I was, you know, approaching maintenance and thinking about how am I going to live for the rest of my life? And of course, this is before I wrote Delay, Don't Deny, before I was in a community of hundreds of thousands of intermittent fasters now that we all, you know, talk about it. I was like, all right, now I'm going to have to learn to live my life, quote, like a normal person. And it never crossed my mind that you would just keep, you know, doing it. I wanted to come up with some plan that would let me eat, you know, the most amount of time possible while still, and now I'm like, that just seems so silly because <laughs> that's not what my body wants. My body doesn't want me to have a plan where I eat the most amount of time possible. 
Yeah. And, and it was so interesting to me because back like five years ago when I started researching paleo and things, I had a really good girlfriend who was a registered dietitian and very holistic. And, and my degree is in holistic psychology, you know, just so all about the mind-body connection. And she would always say to me just in this sweet, angelic voice, just eat intuitively. And I was like, what does that mean? I'm like, I swear my body wants a burger. I swear it does. And, and oftentimes it does, you know, like it really does want a burger. But, you know, now I can just say that. And what I tell anybody that I'm helping with intermittent fasting now is I say, look, 100% just focus on, you know, mastering a clean fast for 16 hours a day for a month. Once you've done that for a month, you're not skipping days, you're not trying to add things in. When you've mastered that, then you can start thinking about other things, you know, and, and I love that you and I are on the same page with that. It's, you know, I just had a gal who just reached out to me today, you know, saying that, oh, the skill hasn't budged in two weeks and, and this and that. And she's just going to go do more research. I'm like, your research is inside of you. I said, this might be the best time to not have a relationship with your skill. You know, for me now, I feel like I have a really good relationship with my skill. I still weigh all the time, almost daily. I just like to see where I'm at. But for me, it is now just a number. It's just information. And I am not attached to that information, nor does that information make me feel wonky or change my mood or anything. I'll be like, eh. and oftentimes I'm like, you're stupid. That's not right. <laughs> you know? scale, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. But, but you also understand that you know, the whole magic of body recomposition and how you're losing fat and building muscle. And, you know, I have watched you on Facebook dance your way down through the sizes. <laughs> Lori is famous for some happy dances when she gets into a new size of jeans. What were those, some of those famous sizes you danced through? Yeah, so I think my first happy dance was, a, it was a size eight. Because for me, I started off in a very tight 14. I'm sure I could have, should have been wearing 16, but I was not going to buy a pair. 
So I just kept my little yoga stretchy pants on. But in my mind, I just wanted to be a 10. I would have been happy at a 10. But I thought a single digit, that would be pretty amazing, you know? And so there's something about the single digit. Eight is magical. I remember getting into eights. Yeah. And I think back to kids and when they want to hit 10, yay, I'm double digits. Well, I didn't want to be double digits anymore, you know? And I would always go to Old Navy. I still do. And my little jeans, I get the curvy jeans because I've always had bigger hips and thighs. And they'll go on sale for, $15 or something. And one day I was there and I'm like, you know, these tens are maybe a little bit loose. Let me just try on the eight. And I went in there and and usually they won't get past my hip and they just came on. And I was like, literally, I had tears in my eyes in the dressing room. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I just did a happy dance with a size eight. And I was like, oh, you know, and I was a little bit I don't know. I was embarrassed. I'm pretty much of an extrovert, but I posted on the group. But I was like, yeah. And then a few months later, I went in and I was like, eh, they're on sale again. Let me just try a six and let's just see. And the six fit. And I was amazed. I was like, a freaking six? Are you kidding me? You know? So in two different times I've done, there's a store here that holds a competition that's called a 12-week transformation challenge. And They have a pretty cool scale at their shop that weighs your fat percentage, your muscle percentage. They don't care about BMI. They don't really care about how much you weigh. It's just a matter of how much muscle are you building, how much fat are you losing, and then that percentage there. Um, So that's kind of what I got more attached to. I guess I don't really like the term attached, but I don't really care what the scale says anymore. I want to know that my body inside is healthy. I want to know that I'm at a healthy fat percentage and I'm now down to, well, let's say a size four. My fours are actually a little bit tight. So really I'm in a six again, which I'm fine with. I'm like in April, I finished the second transformation challenge, had just gotten back from the cruise. And I was like, you know what? In April, I'm just going to do whatever I want. I'm not going to the gym all the time like I had been for the challenges. I did keto a couple times during the transformation challenge. And so I let myself all of April just do whatever I wanted. And it was really kind of interesting. And and this kind of goes back to the whole conversation that we have on the groups a lot about you can eat whatever you want. Well, I was eating whatever I wanted. And I gained, quote unquote, gained eight pounds in that month. And it was funny because it didn't bother me. I was like, all right, cool. I know how to lose it. I, you know, I still felt good. I didn't feel bad. But it was showing, I went and weighed myself after, you know, at that nutrition shop that I get weighed in here. And my muscle was still up and my fat was still down, even though I quote unquote gained eight pounds. So I'm like, why do I care what the scale says? Exactly. See, and that is such good information. You know, just this morning there was a post on the Facebook group and someone said, I've gained weight. Why? Boy, that's a loaded question. (laughs) I could think of a hundred answers to it. I mean, literally a hundred answers and it's just your scale is up. But what does that mean? I mean, your scale was up eight pounds, but your muscle was up and your fat was down. Yeah. And it was, that was literally my best weigh-in. So now, you know, I went back to keto and it's not really moving down the way I want to see it go. And I'm like, why am I going to do this? My body. Why, why do you think keto is better for your body? You know, honestly, I think keto is better for me because of the foods I eliminate when I'm on keto that help my digestion. Is it because of the processed foods that you? So in my home, I eat 95% clean. You know, I, I have back five years ago, I removed all processed foods and 
So I think really dairy is one of the things which that doesn't matter with keto. With keto, I got pretty lazy and started having dairy again. So I think what really works for me is paleo. But something else that really works for me where keto comes in is I am a numbers geek. I'm a data girl. I love following those macros. When I follow... Okay. See, if you love that, (laughs) I do not love it. (laughs) So what I normally do is I cook two days a week. You know, I live by myself. I meal prep two days a week and I make all my meals for four days. And when I do that and I know I'm on a certain track, that's what I'm going to eat. If I tell myself I can eat whatever I want, I still don't always make the best choices even for me feeling the best. So let me let me kind of explain. So after starting intermittent fasting, I would say by about December, November or December, so May, so that's almost six months, five or six months, all my digestive issues disappeared and my rash disappeared. And that was a huge, huge thing for me because I realized that I didn't want to wear a bathing suit. I didn't want to, you know, even like if I went to the gym or on a walk, I was always really careful to not sweat because I would get a horrible rash. Well, I realized that that was gone. So in my experiment in April, what I found was I'm like, okay, let me try all these foods that were once problematic and let me see how my body reacts. I wanted to, I want to know, you know, I love the information and the research and I'm looking at my table now and there's probably 12 books. It's like crazy. So what I found was I could eat all of those foods and not have digestive issues. But many of them still seem to trigger really, really, really bad fatigue, like that adrenal fatigue. Or, you know, I was looking back, tracking stuff, and my daughter-in-law just had a birthday recently, and she had a barbecue, and I let myself have whatever I wanted that day. And I had a couple margaritas, I had the cake, and all the other barbecue foods. And I swear for the next like four days, I just felt a little bit depressed. I was tired. I had no motivation. I was like, come on, Lori, you know, all these, you know, positive affirmations and mantras. What's wrong with you, girl? You know, and I did recently do a hair follicle test that gave me information on what foods I'm sensitive to. Wow. And and in there, it shows white sugar, flour, quinoa. It lists tea and soft cheeses and mozzarella. So now I'm doing more of looking at what foods to really help that fatigue because out of everything, I still have an underlying issue, if we want to call it that, of fatigue that you know, people say, well, pre-menopause. I'm like, no, there's a reason. <laughs> I'm going to find it. You know, So I do think now it's my adrenals. For me, unfortunately, I'm not one of those people who can eat whatever I want and feel optimal. But you know what? I don't really think most of us are. And and the beauty of intermittent fasting is we realize, like I didn't know fries made my stomach hurt. I didn't know bacon makes my stomach hurt. And I've learned it. When I use the phrase, I can eat whatever I want, that doesn't mean that I can eat all the foods that exist in the world with zero consequences. It doesn't mean that I'm just going to eat and eat and eat with no mindfulness. I can choose to eat whatever foods I want. If I choose to eat bacon and I have a little stomach, I can't, I'm like, oh, I knew that would happen. And it's just, it's one of those things. But, you know, there's no like sadness. I mean, I mean, I guess I am a little sad that bacon and especially bacon and cheese fries makes my stomach hurt, but, but I can still eat whatever I want, but I just have to be mindful of how am I going to feel after I eat it? 
and how do I want to feel and does it matter? Yeah, and the beauty to me is, is the results I recently got is just the state of my microbiome and my gut right now. That's all it is. So I can, I believe, turn that around. I can take care of my, you know, I said just, and the other thing, and I know, you know, we don't have a whole heck of a lot more time, but I was going the last three or four Saturdays to a boot camp class here. And it's so funny because I didn't really intend to go, but I partnered with the company who does the transformation challenge and they're holding the boot camp, and I'm holding afterwards a coffee hour for anybody who wants to stay to talk about intermittent fasting. Before the first class, the gentleman who owns the place is like, all right, so I'll see you at boot camp. And I was like, ooh, I wasn't planning on doing that. You know, I don't, I don't like working hard. You know. But I did, and I went, and I did a couple times. Well, this last Saturday after boot camp, it just wreaked havoc, I think, on my adrenals. I was tired. I was moody. So for the next two days, I just... And when I say tired, anybody who's ever dealt with adrenal fatigue or chronic fatigue knows that it's just like, there's like no energy in my body just to even lift myself off the couch. Like a heaviness for your limbs. Yeah. Kind of a thing, right? yeah. yeah. And, and for me, so that next day I was like, okay, look, I fast for the 16 hours, but I literally ate for my body. I was like, okay, it needs food right now. It needs nourishment, you know? So, you know, why it didn't bother me two, three weeks ago going to boot camp, I'm not sure. But right now, today, where my microbiome is, isn't where it has to be next week, next year. So it's just information for me to, all right, Lori, let's get you know, like coffee. I was drinking, I hate to say, kind of, five to seven cups a day of regular coffee. And I could drink it up until I go to bed and it doesn't bother me. Well, coffee is one of the worst things for your adrenal glands. And I've known that. And I'm like, all right, Lori, come on, what are you doing? You know this. So I'm weaning off of the coffee and taking ashwagandha because a couple of the gals in, um, in our groups suggested that. And I'm really focusing on my adrenals to get that fatigue back and to get the health in my uh, microbiome. It also showed that there's a couple of digestive enzymes that test that I took showed that there's a few that are really low. And it's kind of, to me, just this fun, our body is this fun puzzle. It is. Yeah. And for me, I, I'm glad, like I just even heard myself to say this fun puzzle because sometimes it's very frustrating to me to figure out my my body puzzle. But if we can just make it fun and realize that this is a lifelong journey and it doesn't have to happen overnight, like for me, I'm not at what I would consider my goal weight, but I am so satisfied with the way I look in clothes. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, clothes. I think, I think we all can yeah. say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when I was shopping for a bathing suit for the cruise, I was like, I was feeling kind of badass. And I put a bathing suit on. And I was like, Ooh, my butt's a little flabbier than I realized, you know, but I don't care. It's like, you know, I have today's today and today I'm going to make decisions based on my desires today. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I probably, I don't think it means I can't have mozzarella ever. I can cure that and fix that. And Take care of what needs to be taken care of. That's the beauty of this whole thing. Exactly. So eating whatever you want means you're going to eat what you need to eat in that moment. And it might be mozzarella today. And you're like, yeah, that's not the best food for my body, but I'm going to have it. Because maybe you needed needed that pizza. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like in April, for whatever reason, I got stuck on salami and cheese sandwiches. I hadn't had one of those in years. I don't remember. And so, something about it. Maybe it's a comfort from when I was a kid. I'm not sure what it was, but I found this yummy bread. I don't usually have bread in the house. And, you know, so even just last night, I, I told myself I was going to start eliminating bread as one of them I don't normally have and cheese. But last night I was like, you know what? Let me just have this. This is what I want right now, you know? 
So, and no guilt. Absolutely no guilt. You know, there's sometimes where like the most important part. Absolutely. So for me, like sleeping in bed, like I know I'm like, Lori, it's going to feel like a brick in your stomach. Do you really want to do this? And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. I want it. You know? And so for me, I try to just connect to why I'm doing it. And sometimes I'll be like, all right, Lori, you absolutely know this is going to make you feel this way, or um, it's not going to get you to this goal that you want. And I might decide to not have something, but I will never tell myself I can't have it. I just, I believe that that is not something we should ever say to ourselves. You're choosing to not have it. Absolutely. I'm choosing to delay it. I'm choosing not to have it. I'm choosing to drink black coffee. I'm choosing to drink more water. I really think the words that we say, even to ourselves, rest in our body in such a way that is really important. Like if somebody says they're going to try intermittent fasting, it's do yourself a favor and just tell yourself you're going to do it. Don't try it. Don't don't give yourself room to to not do it. Just do it. So words are powerful. I believe it. I believe so. I think they really, really are. Now we are about out of time. So I like to end with the question, you know, what would you tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting besides what you just said, which was great (laughs) not to try it, just to do it. But you know, is there anything you wish you knew when you started or just what, what would you tell someone starting off? You know, for me, when I had just started off, it was pretty easy for the most part. I think what I would tell somebody is to just, I, I know most people, many people come to intermittent fasting because it's just, they've tried everything else and they're desperate and they want to do it. I say really, really just have fun with it. Trust your body and don't be so connected to an idea in your mind of how much you should weigh or how much you should eat. Should is another word that really bothers me. When we connect inside of ourselves. It's connecting to what we need. So you don't have to listen to shoulds from society anymore. And just follow your body and trust your body for the first time. After a few weeks, if you can just get over that hump, get over the hangry, get over the insulin, you know, rises and drops. And once you get there, then you're able to really, really trust your body. It knows what to do. It really, really does. And it'll kick into fat adaptation and it will It'll do it for you and just got to trust it and have fun while you're doing it. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love that. Have fun. I think that's the, the best advice. And don't stress. We see so many new people who are super stressed about every second of it. And I think that can really affect the outcome. And I think if we can just play with it. Don't let it stress you out and have fun with it. That's the most important. Easier thing. said than done, but work on that. Absolutely. We're all, we're all works in progress, even me. <laughs> yep. Yep. Me too. Always, right? Always. On that note, I would like to say thank you so very much, Lori. And I have just absolutely loved talking to you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. Me too. Thanks for having me. I really had a lot of fun. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To 
learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.